So the big question is this. How can runners like you, who aren't professional athletes or paid sponsored runners, avoid injury and increase athletic performance to enjoy running race events for the rest of your life without wasting money on trends or using dangerous painkiller drugs? That is the question. And on hashtag Run Pain Free Podcast, your host, sports biomechanics, athletic injury correction, and conditioning expert, Jessica Marie Rose Leggio, gives you the answers. Hello, everyone. Thank you for listening and welcome to the Run Pain Free Podcast. I am your host, Jessica Marie Rose Leggio, and this podcast is brought to you by the 2020 Run Pain Free Marathon Training Summit the virtual conference for runners and marathoners all around the world with experts all around the world. It is live right now, so you can go on over there and watch them. 21 plus interviews, so much stuff going on, marathontrainingsummit.com. Go get your ticket, go get in there right now while I chat. So today we are talking about running alone or running in a run club. How to progress as a slow runner. So the majority of runners are slow runners right that's the majority elites are not the majority it's the slow runners so we are talking to the majority and there's so many ways that miss lisa jung who's one of our interviewees in the marathon training summit actually goes over in her book how to make running not suck (laughs) it's an amazing book and i really believe that every beginner runner should have this as their go-to run journal run guide this is what you should be listening to running with thinking about making notes with all that stuff you should be really following along with this book but also someone who's been running can also really benefit from this book she's a veteran runner herself and she's really wanted to use how she's changed running to kind of keep it always fresh for her and so we're going to get into that so we're going to talk about how to run straight as a beginner runner or slow runner how to take run breaks on your run, what that actually means, the types of dog breeds that are good for running, and how to learn different ways of running to keep it fun and progress at the same time. So there's a bunch of different ways she goes over, and one is how to run with your bay, meaning, you know, go out with your, your significant other, whoever that is. There's a way to go out and run with them and introduce them to running, or if they're a runner too, make time to just go out and run with them and it's just a one-on-one type of a thing. Then there's this whole run club, do or don't type of thing, and that's a big conversation we have in several interviews, actually, in the summit. But she talks about it, and she's like, if you are someone who's run alone, then do go run with more people. If you're someone who runs with more people normally, then go run by yourself. It's a way to mix it up, and I'm always talking about making sure you run at least one day a week completely by yourself, because you can check in with your athleticism, your body, how you're feeling without noise. And it's not to be mean, but people are noisy. So you kind of lose what you're trying to get your own gauge for. You may be running the wrong pace because you're running in the tailwind or next to a friend or whatever the case is. When you're running by yourself, you can really see where you're at. You may be faster than you thought. Maybe you're being held back by the crew you're running with. You never know. So those are things I really do believe running alone gives people, and I'm a big advocate for that. And so Lisa talks about using both of those to your advantage and how that can work. She also talks about running with dogs. Now, this is a big thing because if you don't have the proper equipment, running with holding the dog in your hand could really lend to shoulder pain, which a lot of people don't realize that they get. I get a lot of runners who don't tell me they have dogs who are coming to me with shoulder pain. And then six months into correction, they finally say, oh yeah, I run with my dog. (laughs) So 
there's that aspect of it with the shoulder pain because you really shouldn't be holding the strap. She talks about how to run with the dog, also even the terrain and the environment that the dogs are running in. Like if it's if it's something that is not good for you or if you're not enjoying it, just assume the dog isn't either. But also there's one, there's a strap that goes around your waist where you're, the dog can run with you and as long as you know you want to have enough slack so it's running next to you you do have to train your dog to run though with you because otherwise it's going to pull you and where whichever side the dog is on that hip is going to get it so if you're experiencing new hip pain and you're running with your dog that's probably why it's happening but Lisa goes in on her book and she literally lists on page 93, she literally lists good dog breeds for running. And just a few, Vishla. I don't know if you know what a Vishla is, but it's a, like a, a reddish brownish colored dog, very short hair, it's lean, kind of looks like a Doberman with loppy ears, but not as big or muscular. They're a great, great, great dog to have. They're a great temperament. I know I know a lot about dogs myself, um, <laughs> but they're a great temperament to have and they're awesome running dogs. She talks about golden labs, obviously. Retrievers are great. Weimariners, those are those gray dogs that are also very short hair. Kind of look like a Vishla, but they're gray and they're bigger and they have crystal blue eyes. There's the Border Collie, which is known to just run and it's a it's a big it's a big herding dog australian shepherd german shepherd jack russell terrier don't sleep on those terriers terriers have a lot of um a lot of uh energy and they can really go for a long time they do have little legs i had scotties and they have little legs and so they really can't go long depending on their size but terriers come from little yorkies all the way up to pipples so those are terriers so it's a big array of dogs so don't sleep on those terriers they have a lot of energy and they need to burn it out if not they'll chew everything up in your house dalmatians same things alaskan malamute those are those big 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 dogs so they really do also they have a lot of energy also huskies they have endurance you want to look at the endurance of it beagles they're hunters so those are a smaller dog, but they're a hunting dog and they can go there. They can cook. Beagles can cook. Fox Terrier, again, don't sleep on them. Standard Poodles, Mutts. She has a list in here of all of these guys that really do give you a good run with it. But again, you have to train the dog to run. Don't underestimate that power, that torque that's pulling you. And I do recommend wearing the strap around the waist, but you have to train that. And if the dog is pulling you, then you really shouldn't run with it, in my opinion, just from an injury perspective. So you got running with your, with your person, you got running with the dog, and then we have the run groups. So running groups are really great as a community. It's you're not alone, especially if you're running in the wee hours in the morning or the late hours at night. It's good to have somebody with you, obviously. Um, but there's pros and cons to everything, right? There's pros and cons to running by yourself or running with somebody, just one person. Same thing with having a dog, like I just mentioned. Same thing applies to run groups. Running, you need to make sure that you have a good balance of everything. And that's what Lisa talks about. That's why she goes through this whole aspect of running by yourself, running with your person, running with the dog, running with the run group. Those are all different ways. And so what she suggests is that you do all of it because there is pros and cons to everything and doing one thing could really create a narrative, it could create an environment, it could make you associate running in a very specific way because of that one type of way you're running. When you incorporate all of these aspects of running, and if you don't have a dog, don't go get one to run unless you really want a dog, but I'm just saying it's just another aspect of it. When you put all these things together, you don't create that mundane, 
go-to association with running. It becomes any day is any game type of a thing. You know what I mean? So when you really use all of this, it's a different experience every time. And she talks about also where you're running, change up where you're running. Sometimes she likes to be in the trails. She sometimes likes to run in the middle of the road that's lined with trees. She lives in Colorado. That's where we, we talked to her from, so that's different. But she's also from California. She's from the sunny beach. So she was used to running in different areas, and so now she loves running on trails, and she loves running with the trees. So she says to incorporate that. I'm not a fan of the track because the track is a high level of IT band injury, which is going to cause hip injury and knee injury because the inside leg is pounding it out. I'm not a fan of the track, plus long distance runners to have no place on a track. So I would say leave the track alone. Find other things, to, find parks, find you know good trails that have you know cleared out trails maybe. If you're not a trail runner, there's still trails you could run on that are just cleared out dirt and it's not rocky and rooty and all that. You know, there's many different types of trails. And of course, road running. Obviously, most marathoners road run. So when you incorporate all of these aspects, you start to create an experience with running instead of just an association. And a lot of the times what I see is I see people with great drive to run, really want to get out there and run, and then they get this weird, they start to get this weird association with running. And so for a slow runner and a runner who's a beginner, it's really, really important that you create the experience you want around the people that are supporting you and motivating you to get better. We want our runners to get better, to improve, and so we're always promoting that. So whatever way that's gonna happen, let's do that. Let's continue to move along, because the bottom line is, is you just want to run, right? Whatever your pace is, whatever your goals are, you just wanna run. So our goal is to make sure you're doing just that. and. In order to keep it a positive experience, changing it up, like Lisa says, is so, so important to that. So now let's say you're running all different places, you got your thing going on, you have your positive experience with it. Now you wanna learn how do I do this and actually get better? Well, there's a few ways to do that. One, on these different routes that you're taking, incorporate hills. Hills are huge. I'm a big, big, big hill runner fan. It's anybody who does our program has an entire day of hills. And then the way we map out our marathon programs, it's very specific to hills, flat, or a combination of the two in the run program for a very specific reason. Because hill training is how long distance runners get stronger, get better endurance, and actually get faster. So we, I'm just gonna, I'll give you an example. We have a, a client right now who did run walk all the time. And I will do a podcast on that breakdown scientifically another time. However, I will just use this person for an example. Did not run straight. He was running uh, timed, timed, right? Walk and then run, walk and then run, very timed. So we got him into actually, he got into the hill training aspect of his program and he really started to change how his body was adapting to the run because it was different and then having to, and actually going straight and only taking breaks when he needed to. Now, I'm using several things with his example because I get a lot of new runners and and I hate to say slow runners, but I think you associate with that with that word, but that you know, beginner runners, slower runners don't know how to take breaks. They worry about how much do I walk? When do I walk? Is it okay that I walk? 110%. 
everybody walks at some point. Everybody kind of takes a few minutes, even if, if, if it's just to grab the water on the race or to stop and high five somebody. Most people are stopping unless you're getting paid to run. There's a different, that's the difference. So you really don't get so fixated on can I, yes, you can. You can absolutely walk when you need to, and you absolutely should walk when you need to. Need to. You need to walk when you need to. Not when you just think, oh, I'm just gonna walk now, but your body hasn't told you that that's that time yet, okay? Another day, I'll talk about that another day. But yes, I wanna get that out there for all the new runners, all the slower runners. Yes, absolutely walk when you need to. What's happening though with someone that was timing it, he wasn't able to run straight. So when he was starting to do the hill training, which is very specific, we're in heart training even more specifically, it's all on hills when we do our heart training. And so we use that and then go run afterwards in a, in a very programmed fashion. And so he finally just got his first 10K PR on his own, just running on his own because he had never ran straight. And just prior to having his, his run prior to this P, PR run, he had the first time he messaged me, he was like, I was cooking meaning he was going faster and he didn't even feel like he was running that fast and he wasn't even trying, quote unquote. I wasn't even trying, Jessica. That's what he said to me. I get these messages all the time. This is just the most recent, so I'm using it as an example because it's fresh in my mind. These are very common messages we get and I love it because there's nothing better than giving somebody who thinks they're a slow runner, they're never gonna progress and they can't do all this and then they do it and then they are like, oh my God, I didn't know I could be that fast and it felt good and I felt efficient and I wasn't gasping for air and I had energy after. Yeah, that's real when you condition properly for it. And that's what we do here. So when you incorporate all of these different aspects and you have a positive outlook on running, that's more than half the battle because running actually does not suck. <laughs> it's actually pretty dope and that's why so many people do it. The problem is many do it wrong and get hurt and then it just sucks everywhere. And, and nothing's fun when you're hurting. Nothing's fun when you're in pain, right? So this is a way to just capture that experience in a positive way and then now use it. So now make one of those days all hills. Find a really hilly course, a really hilly pattern or route, you know, that you want to take on because that's going to help you with your endurance. That's going to help your lungs. That's going to help your heart training. That's just going to help you just get stronger on that deeper side of it. And then go when you're out with your, your significant other, go on a leisurely run. Go run by the water if you live near the water somewhere. Go run on the boardwalk, go run in the park if you have a park nearby. Run leisurely, maybe go make a couple of stops or something. Maybe go for a food run, there's a lot of that. Uh, then there's the, that's how the run groups come in. A lot of run groups have very specific, they do beer runs, they do cupcake runs, they do pastry runs, they do uh, uh, history runs around the area that, they, that the run group is associated with or that they live in. There's history runs for the, for the area, which is also super exciting. There's art runs where they run to look at different art. And so you're stopping and going. There's ways to incorporate that when you find those groups that really work for you and what you're into and whatever your interests are. So that's a way to, to create all of that. And the whole time you're doing that, you're progressing because you're incorporating the hills, you're incorporating the flat, you're incorporating totally different dynamics. Who you're running with changes your pace, don't believe, believe it or not, it does. And then you're able to gauge what you're doing with it all and then you're gonna naturally start to progress without even realizing it. So there is a real way to use all these different places 
to your advantage. How does, how does one take a break while they're running? It's very simple. You just break. When you feel like you need to walk, I always say, the moment you feel you need to walk, before you start walking, pick up a landmark way out in front of you of where you're gonna start running again before you start walking. So that by the time you stop walking, you already have a goal that it, that stoplight ahead, that second stoplight, you are going to run again, no matter what. And that's how I train people to take, to take breaks because I wanna train you how to take breaks with encouraging endurance, with encouraging progression. And so that's how we do that. So it was a little secret tip for you from yours truly. Um, that's the best way to take breaks. It's, it's not to plan on it. Again, I'll leave it for another day before I go sideways and go left on that one. So this is what Lisa Jung talks about in her book, how to make running not suck. Running that does not suck. And like, this is what everybody needs to get this book. If you are a beginner runner, indefinitely, this is your guide to running. This is the guide to marathoning. She goes over clothes in here and all this good stuff, which is also another way to, to keep your running experience positive. When you're running all of these places, you may need to dress differently. If you're running hills, you may need to dress less because you're gonna sweat more. If you're running on the street, you may need to dress more with like a protective gear. Like all that matters and it also keeps it fun. And so there's really good ways to keep it fun. You ever look at a runner, their gear is decked out. Their gear is matching head to toe. They got everything on that looks good. They have all this extra stuff on there with all the matching colors and they're all about it. So you can really have fun with your running gear also to just put a little cherry on top with running in different places with different people. And then the most you know calm solitude part of this is running by yourself. Something you're gonna hear also a lot on the Run Pain Free Academies, Marathon Training Summit. Go get your ticket right now if you haven't, because it's on right now, it's live, you need to go in there, marathontrainingsummit.com. Running by yourself has a lot of calming to it. It's where people say they run their crazy out, it's quiet, it quiets your mind, it eases your soul, it helps you sort through things, there's no noise around you, and that's something that I think people really do run for at the most part and it just so happens that they wind up coming across other cool people who actually like to run and they join forces and they run together or they run in groups or they join the run club and all that stuff. But I do honestly know that people really do run for themselves and that is important that that's always nurtured. So don't get caught up in running with this one, that one and the other one here, there and everywhere really make sure that you always make time to run by yourself and for yourself because that's at the end of the day what's going to be affected if you ever get to something that you can't run if you get injured or you're down and out meaning down and out you know injured aching or hurting when you can't run that real serious private place that you run from gets really exposed and so it's important that you have a lot of using all the stuff that Lisa talks about and taking everything in and incorporating all these different ways to keep running fun so that you can progress underneath the radar of your own ideas that you're actually progressing and not even realize it. That's the best way to progression, right? Is like not to realize you actually progressed and then you ran better, more efficient than you ever felt. Not necessarily faster, you just felt better. That's progression. Not feeling like you're gasping for air, progression. You can get up a hill without stopping, progression. That's huge. That's cardiovascular. That's heart health. That's huge. Pulmonary health, huge. So that's all really great to keep all that together. 
because at the end of the day, you really need to always nurture why you're running by yourself so that when anything happens, you're still in a balanced place with it. People who don't, who don't take the time to like get that nice solitude running tend to, you know, really it starts to overshadow all the other things like the good group running and the good the good hill running and the progression so it's important to always keep that in there too so running alone is just as important as running with a group or running with your friends or running with one person or running with your dog because they like it too so many people talk about that we have another person in who talks about running with their with their dog in the marathon training summit so these are ways that a beginner runner, a slow runner, can really feel progression, even though they feel really slow. And I promise you, you're already doing more than so many other people just by getting out there. So you are not slow. No runner is insignificant. Don't ever think that either. I need to put that in there too. Everybody that is going out there and putting themselves out there, amazing, good job. I high five you right now, just so you know. But progression is real and you can actually attain it. Keeping running a positive experience is the first part to that. Making sure you're running alone at least one time a week is on is also a part of that. And making sure you're you're having a good association with running because it's really positive. It's really a positive thing to do, and I applaud you for listening and taking those steps to to be better and and, and get out there and be physical. So. I am done with this one. Make sure you go get this book from Lisa Jung. That's Lisa, J-H-U-N-G, Running That Doesn't Suck, How to Love Running, even if you think you hate it, because you don't, I promise you. And so many people say they have a love-hate relationship with running. Run pain-free runners just love running <laughs> because they enjoy it, they feel good, they're efficient, they're constantly in progression. And people I've had for 11 years are still progressing because that's real. So I just want to leave you on that note and let you know that you always, once you, even though you're still out there running, you're always in the way of progression. You're always on that, on that path. Run Pain Free Academy. Thank you so much for joining us. MarathonTrainingSummit.com. Go get your ticket. It's live right now. You're listening to the Run Pain Free Podcast, brought to you by the Run Pain Free Academy. Featuring biomechanics, athletic injury correction, and conditioning expert, Jessica Marie Rose Leggio. Subscribe to us as you leave a positive review on iTunes.